This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup. You're listening to Recruiting Daily Podcast. And listen, we have Jewel and Rhea on from iSims, and we're going to be talking about some research that they've done, but really more than the point, this is going to be really interesting because of the year and the last 15 months that we've had. It's, it's regarding the class of 2021. And it's, uh, and it's really how they enter the, the market and, uh, kind of entry level hiring trends. So that's a long title, but kind of, if you really want to kind of sum it up, it's just thinking about this class that's graduating, right? Or that has just graduated and kind of what they're entering into and what that looks like and what the, what I seems, what, what the team has kind of found when they've done this, this research. So why don't we do introductions first? So Jewel, why don't you introduce yourself first and then Rhea, and then we'll introduce Isons after that. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm Jewel Parkinson. I'm the Chief People Officer at Isons, the talent cloud company, and I've been with the company just over seven months. Um, I've been in the HR technology space for coming up on 25 years, and uh, people and connecting people to opportunity is a big passion of mine. So, Rhea, before you get started, at a certain point, do you stop mentioning the number of years you've been doing something? Have you, have you, have you noted? Cause I, <laughs> the reason yeah, I, asked, I think, and this is another, um, to, to, to further date myself, right? Since we're in the dating. <laughs> if you're going to say personnel, that's I, it. Um, I'm going to end the call if you say yeah, personnel. Yeah, I think I, uh, I jumped that shark about, okay. uh, <laughs> about five years ago. <laughs> I, I went and deleted recently. I went and deleted everything below 2000 so all my experience below in the in the in the 90s or 80s i deleted everything other than my degrees <laughs> and so i think i'm what i'm going to do is every five years i'm just going to delete the next five years off of the off of my experience right, right. so it always looks like i have 20 years of experience anyhow i <laughs> i apologize it's just when i heard that i thought oh i gotta ask her now i gotta ask ria would you uh would you introduce yourself Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Rhea Moss, uh, Director of Data Insights and Customer Intelligence at iSIMS. Um, I, I get the fun job of helping build out these reports at, you know, analyzing data from about, you know, more than 4,000 customers in the iSIMS data set, and then kind of putting together the metrics and helping tell the story on, you know, what's going on with the world of hiring right now. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And uh, obviously, um, I think everyone that listens to the podcast knows iSIMS, but Y'all have also kind of repositioned uh, in the last year or so, so it probably would be good to kind of give the audience a little bit of an overview. Uh, Jewel, why don't you give that a stab? Yes, um, absolutely. At ISIMS, as I mentioned, we are the talent cloud company, and we really specialize in helping organizations build winning workforces and accelerate their ability to attract, engage, hire, and advance the right talent at the right time. Um, and so in doing that, we leverage um, unique uh, technologies, advanced technologies such as AL, MI, to really help make the perfect match between a candidate 
and a job opportunity. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I love the rebrand and the new positioning. But we'll save that for another podcast. Um, Rhea, do me a favor when you went into kind of when you started this research. Is this, first of all, is this research that you do every year or that ISIMS does every year? Absolutely. So this is actually our sixth annual report. Okay. Um, this is, you were asking about how long we've been doing things. This is my fifth one being a part of. Um, so, you know, each year we look at what's going on with the class and what's going on in the labor market and what's going on with hiring and TA in general. Um, you know, never could have imagined that <laughs> the year we'd be looking at oh this God. year, yeah. but uh, yeah, sixth one, this one. Good, good, good. And, and we'll, at the end of the show, we'll make sure that we point the audience to the report so they can download it, et cetera. So first thing we'll get uh jewel to respond to it as well, but won't you take us into like the things I know that when, when I do research, there's always stuff that kind of validates like, oh, yeah, I kind of thought that would happen. Yeah, sure. That it did. It did happen. But there's always <laughs> stuff that shocks me. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I start off with a premise like, oh, yeah, it's going to be this. And then it's the other direction. What what stood out to you? What what shocked you? Yeah. Um, well, I will say um, after the last year and a half we've had, I'm not sure I really had any idea of what to expect. Good point. Uh, <laughs> Good point. Um, but I will say that, you know, right now the job market is actually very strong, um, way stronger than expected. So I guess to that point, I was surprised for the class of 2021 um, and, you know, still class of 2020 that's out there looking right now. But entry level hiring just significantly on the rise and kind of a bright spot in this, you know, job market and in amidst the labor shortage, um, definitely. The other theme, and we can unpack each of these separately if we want, the other theme I think that really stood out as, uh, I guess I will say this was a surprise, it took me a minute to kind of try to put myself in their shoes is, um, you know, Gen Z and what they're looking for in this sort of first new job or first real career job, Um their desires in the workforce are just so different right now than a lot of us. You know, I won't give my age either. I will say I'm an older millennial. Um, and the things right now that I'm valuing in our return to office and sort of our new normal are just so different. I think the one stat that I just I'll drop that really stood out to the to your this point was only two percent of the graduating seniors want an all remote situation. Now, I don't have a specific number I could tell you that, you know, everybody over the age of 30 wants, but I can tell you I'm pretty sure it's significantly higher than that 2%. And it, it seems like something right now we've been talking about as a positive that employers can offer, but it's a really interesting stat to say that it is, you know, 98% of college graduates do not want that. Oh, that's interesting. That is actually fascinating because I wouldn't have, again, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought you know, on one level, we've been taught that a lot of these jobs, knowledge worker jobs, can be done remotely. But you know what? If I've been in college for, you know, let's say three, five, whatever years, <laughs> you know, um, maybe I do want to go to a place. That's interesting. Joel, what do you what do you think about what you've heard so far? Yeah, I think in addition to what Rhea said, um, and I do have sort of a hypothesis around why those results may be the case. But one thing that stood out to me is just the amount of Online research, you know, mm. frankly, the research that um, early early talent, as I call them, but those between the ages of 18 and 24, they're spending 40% more time really doing intense research on an employer. So what this means is that as an employer, we really have to take a new look at how we're presenting ourselves online, looking at content, you know, and making sure that the content um, really speaks to the candidate as opposed to necessarily reflecting company speak. 
um, and whether that's looking at our career sites and how are we ensuring that they're amplifying our culture, our values, um, how do they uh, really reflect the best of us in terms of our employee value propositions, and also how we're presenting our jobs online as well in terms of content and how people can actually relate um, and get excited by the opportunity that they're seeing during that research. When, you, when you're doing research, and then and, and both of you, this is up for up, up for grabs. Uh, it used to be that they would Google the company, then they would Glassdoor the company, then they would go into LinkedIn and and reach out to former employees, and also obviously spend a lot of time on the their career site and jobs and things like that. But is there other other types or other things that are creeping in that research tools or tactics that y'all are seeing? Well, certainly, oh, I was just going to say, we're certainly seeing um, the importance of being able to um, convey your culture through video. Uh, mm. Obviously, this is a generation that is very digitally savvy, um, a TikTok generation, Instagram gener- generation, and certainly knows how to navigate technology. And so when we are able to convey ourselves through our people, you know, through video, that helps humanize us and it really signals an authentic message not just about what a job says on paper, but how are people energized? Um, how are they successful in a role? And so, you know, video is certainly a staple, as is technologies like chatbot. You know, so just being able to help address questions early, given um, faster responses, improving the velocity and the turnaround on the process overall, and it makes for a better experience. So those are a couple of examples. It's interesting, and 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 Ray, I want to want to get your take on this too. But it's interesting because that, that generation, both my sons are in that generation, and and they're totally okay with interacting with chatbots, mm-hmm. like not an issue whatsoever. A chatbot's on every gaming site they go to, and it's they don't care that it's not a human. There's no issues whatsoever. So I I, I love what you're saying about the rapidity and velocity of being able to instead of kind of an older way of emailing or filling out a form and then getting something back, you know, X number of hours or days later. It's, these are things. And they're comfortable with completing applications online. Yeah. Online, but on a mobile device. Yeah. Even heightens sort of the, the opportunity to make sure that you have a mobile friendly, you know, easy to navigate, very intuitive process and application um, cycle because, you know, they won't, they're not like me where I used to come home and, Flip up a laptop and then oh, yeah. complete an application. They want to do it through the mobile device and are very yeah. comfortable. And you're comfortable with video, as you said, consuming video, which I really love. That makes the all true uh, acquisition even that much more important for y'all. But but also, the they're okay with giving video. So well, let me actually pause you on that one. One okay. of the interesting findings from the report um, actually showed that 80%, so four out of five college grads actually prefer to represent themselves and think they represent themselves best in person as opposed to. Um, really? Digital. Yes. And I, you know, I have to unpack one thing you said early on where you said, you know, sure. you're getting out of three to three to five, I think you said years of college. And we have to remember that they're not, unfortunately. I, that's is, a good point. This is a group of people who, um, especially we're talking right now, you know, graduating this year. Um, so for the sake of it, let's pretend people, you know, everybody did it in four. Um, they didn't get a normal junior year. They all mm-hmm. got sent home. Not, you know, um, some of them got some semblance of a senior year That's of a college. That's a great point. 
Um, but frankly, most of them did it from their mom and dad's house. That's right. Um, on video. And, you know, when we think about things like their interview process or, uh, their first day, you know, they said, everyone seems really surprised. And this is where I say I had to really be empathetic and put myself in their shoes to say they missed out on their junior year of college. They missed out on their, a lot of them, most of them, their senior year of college. They may have missed out on things like, graduation even, That's right? right? That's so right. this is their next big step into the adult world. This is, you can almost argue, like the last big, you know, individual step where you say, you know, someone joked the other day, the last thing they have left is to rent a car at 26. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, they want what ev- they've had a lot taken away from them. Right. And what they're saying to us is they want what everybody else got, right? right. They want that you and, know, in-person interview. And it's funny because you talk to people that are in their late 30s or early 40s, and they're like, eh, no, we're good. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, really, when I think about, like, honestly, I was thinking, like I said, I really put myself in their shoes, and I was thinking about my first job, and it was in New York City, and it was in Times Square, and I thought right. how cool it was to be in Times Square. Oh, and yeah. now I think about the fact that if ISIMS asked me to work out of Times Square. Oh, yeah, <laughs> commute. No <laughs> way, thank you. But where I was going with this, I think, in general, is that, those technologies that they are so comfortable in socially may not translate. They don't know how to be professional necessarily. In right. Them. So right. just because they're comfortable on TikTok or on video chat, um, that's comfortable for them to ingest it, definitely, because they're, it's what they do all day with social right. media and whatnot. But they don't know how to be a professional persona. And frankly, I think it's a little bit tough on them because they don't see the generation before them had to do the same and learn from it. I remember learning, here's how you send emails professionally. And when I started my career, here, there was a emoji. Email. No, you can't put it in right. emoji. There. I mean, what are you doing? Let me date myself, right? There was BlackBerry Messenger. I remember having <laughs> conversations with, you know, my manager. And as I was new, being like, here's what's appropriate to, you know, to do on BlackBerry Messenger and whatnot. And you learn all these things I knew completely comfortably how to use socially. I had to learn how to use them in a professional setting. And I think that goes to part of why they want to be face to face for work because they want to learn that. And it's, it's a little bit tough to learn remotely this whole new world that we all just got thrown into. Oh, yeah. I can see the allure, actually, uh, Rhea, I can see the allure. Like, I I can, you know, like, I say the word commute to somebody from Manhattan or D.C. (laughs) or San Francisco, and they just, they fall down and start sucking on their thumb. But I can see the allure for people that have never done that. But I wonder if that, uh, you know, and this will be in probably next year or the year after study. (laughs) Yep. I wonder if that allure kind of wears off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And don't forget one big thing that it, in general, I'm very much generalizing here, but one big thing that we lost last year was the notion of your senior summer, summer right. internship. Right, right, right. And how right. often that's your first real time where you'd say, is it, you know, it's almost a three month long interview, right? That's right. Um, yeah. Where a lot of them, they get that feeling to know, do you like working in Times Square? How bad is New Jersey transit on a Friday in the summer? Um, <laughs> personal take there. It goes to the point, though, that as an employer, you have to be thinking about what's going to meet the needs of multiple generations that are going to comprise your workforce. And I completely agree with what has been discussed. And that was my hypothesis, you know, in terms of these are talents that are coming out from being hibernated right. you know, at home, right. missing out on, on plenty of socialization experiences coming out of the university or the internship, traditional experience. So I do think those numbers reflect that sort of pent-up desire um, to have that socialization. 
It's it's interesting because it's going to impact everyone's hybrid model, right? Mm-hmm. So we we all kind of feel like just innately like everyone's kind of going to go about this a little differently from one another, and to serve the 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 you know obviously to serve their customers and whatnot, but to serve their own employees. Yeah. Some some employees are going to want to come in. I was talking to a friend of mine who owns a staffing firm, and she's got three kids under the age of five. Hmm. And she's an extrovert. So, like, she can't wait for the office to be back. <laughs> and, you know, it, we, Ray and I were just on a call earlier today, but here um, at Isom's, we're focused on basically a philosophy that says it's your work, your way. And how hmm. do we enable that? So whether oh, you want cool. a hybrid experience, whether you want to be in office, whether you want to be fully remote, um, but how do you have a good experience irrespective of whatever means in which you, you choose to engage? I love so, that. That's an inclusive, I mean, I mean, I know you know this because you've done this for a long time, but that's a really inclusive way of thinking about work by just like, and again, it can change week to week. So, I mean, the way, I mean, what's beautiful, I mean, it's Burger King 101, right? But you get to be able to, if it's outcomes, if it's an outcomes based environment, if you want to come in one week, or you want to come in the next week, one day a week, or you don't want to come in, again, does the work, the center of the conversation becomes on the work. Rhea, do you think that the, the, the entry level folks, do you think that, again, these are, these are kind of folks coming out of college, et cetera. Do you think they're ready for that, that flexibility? I think they're ready for it. I mean, I think if there's anything that this class, probably one word to describe them has got to be resiliency, right? We've had, yeah, good point. I can't, I, I can't even fathom. Um, so I think, I think in, in a way they have a benefit here, which is not all of us are new to this. Um, right. you know, they're, they're not entering a world where we've all been doing this for 20 something years and they've got to figure it out. I think they're entering a pretty tumultuous time and where we're all just figuring it out as we go. And um, I laugh a little bit at your story because I, um, actually Isom's opened up our headquarters today. Um, I'm in the office for the first time today. Um, I think there's like three people here, but I have two children under the age of four at home. And, there you go. Uh, Check. I, I am exactly with your friend. I could not <laughs> wait. to. Be, I, I, the fact that a dog is not barking in the background of this conversation is miraculous. Um, but in all seriousness, I think that, I think that that class will find a way to be successful. I think it's a little bit of a call, you know, a rally cry to all of us in leadership and in management and in mentor positions to kind of know this information and remember it. Um, and to not be from a leadership, I think we all need to be a little bit selfless and say, if that group of people want to physically see me, maybe I need to go in a little more. Uh, maybe I need to put their one-on-ones or their mentor sessions and really make an effort to make them face-to-face conversations. Um, if I'm going to be in the office one day a week, make sure I set some time to give them that FaceTime. I think just knowing they crave it is one way that we can sort of help them feel comfortable and come up to to, to pace with everybody else um, quickly. Because I think that it'd be a little bit sad for them to become that lost class where right. they started and they never made those face-to-face interactions and um, they don't have that bond with leadership in a way that, that the other classes may have had the opportunity. It's interesting because, again, you're treating each employee, you know, I, I love the phrase, your work, your way, because, again, you're treating each one, each person differently. And if they need those things, you'll provide them. But if they don't, I mean, you know, you, you will run into employees that don't need that. They're pretty self-assured. They don't really need to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just want to do their work, and they don't need all that other stuff, which is, again, 
instead of forcing them in some type of force construct, instead of forcing them into something, it's like, no, listen, it's totally comfortable. If you, you don't need to go to the baseball game if you don't want to go to the baseball game. Like, it's okay. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, and we'll start with, Jewel, we'll start with you. Questions that you are seeing, you know, from candidates, like questions, cause it used to be, and again, pre, obviously pre COVID, uh, it was generally, it was, it was bucketed in kind of three areas. What's next? Like, okay, this job sounds great. I'm successful. What's after that? Some type of internal mobility related type question. Um, the other was, um, how are you going to praise me? You know, or how are you going to recognize me? How are you going to, I know that I'm great. I'm going to do great work. How does the company, you know, do that? Which is kind of a hardcore kind of total recognition, total rewards type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the other is, is, was, how are you going to make me better? Which is kind of a mm-hmm. skills training, learning and development type stuff. So pre pandemic and really 18 and 19, those were kind of the driving questions coming uh, out of, you know, for, for entry level folks and also kind of that second job that they wanted to know more about those things. What for, well, and well, I want to ask both of y'all the same question. What questions are candidates asking now? Yeah, I think really it's some version of, of what you just summarized, um, William. And it really is how can I be successful in your organization? How can uh-huh. I get connected? How can I be in touch? How can I learn, grow? What kind of mentorship opportunities? How can I navigate, um, particularly initially coming in through a remote environment, and now that we're segueing back into more of a hybrid um, environment, this becomes, you know, even more important in terms of being connected to people, being able to learn, being able to take advantage of learning opportunities, and also feedback. So you talked about feedback. How will I know when I'm doing well, um, what direction I'm on, and um, and how I learn and grow? So that more expectation of greater frequency and receiving feedback in order to um, ensure that they're on the right track. I love that. Uh, Ray, what about yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the interesting thing is with today's tools and technologies, I think we get less questions because we see this generation, mm-hmm. as Jules point, doing a lot of research on their own. Um, but it isn't, we're seeing in general sort of a theme around it's not enough to have the right words on your career site or the right Especially stock images is something that comes up a lot. Um, the DNI is really big for this group. Um, I, I, you know, I love the numbers, so I'll give you another one, right? 58% of college seniors are looking to see practices and actions for DNI processes during an interview or to actually talk about it or hear about it. Like I said, it's not enough to have a boilerplate on a cruise anymore. They want to sort of see it in action. Um, that one I think is very, very huge. I, I think the other piece that we're seeing is they, um, they want to hear it for themselves. So conversations and questions and honest questions, I think, about what is the culture like? I, I like to kind of always bring us back to, do you remember two years ago, which kind of feels like a lifetime now, that like an interview process was you walk in a front door into a beautiful entryway with a big floral arrangement and you go up a big impressive elevator to an interview floor and um, you see four walls of an interview room and you meet a few people and they come and go and then you're, you're you know, you're, you're, escorted out and your experience and your wooing was done by big buildings and that kind of thing. Right. Um, I think what the last year and especially 
video interviewing and interviewing from home has really become about authentically, what is it like to actually work there right now? Um, I don't want to know what it was like to work there two years ago because it's a different company, um, that the people and the culture have to portray authentically through the interview process. And that has to be what's impressive, not a flashy, uh, you know, a flashy lobby with a bunch of awards in a case. Exactly. It's, it's people want transformative, authentic DEI and not performative DEI, which goes to your point around, you know, just showing up with pictures on all over your website, et cetera. It really has to be um, real, authentic, and it has to the, the talk has to match the walk. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the same thing with DNI in particular with this group is that it's their past conversations. They want to see intentionality. They want to see actions. And mm-hmm. yeah. there's a transparency. There's a layer of transparency that maybe we didn't grow up with that they just expect. Mm-hmm. That yeah. I, I I actually love, which I I think is great. What what questions or what do you you know out of the research or even out of your own experiences? Um, what are they asking about values? Because we've talked about culture, and sometimes culture and values can be used as synonyms, um, and and sometimes they are purposely, and some of them, sometimes sometimes they're not. But are are you are y'all getting asked the questions about values either explicitly, or do you feel like implicitly they're asking you or researching you about values? Yeah, well, I think of, it, oh, I'm sorry, Joel. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say a lot of times the values discussion comes up in, in the discussion around culture in general. Mm. Um, and the values are really sort of the foundation of that. And with respect to culture is sort of what is your purpose? What is your mission as an organization? Mm. And what is your organization doing, whether through your products or services that actually have an impact on society? So being able to articulate that, um, and, Again, being able to have it be relatable is important. Um, people do want to be a part of something bigger than themselves where they can also put their energy into an organization, again, around authenticity that aligns with their value system, their value structure, what they think is important and who they can relate to. I like that. I like, I like especially what I, what I like about you said is that they're bringing it broader. It's more not just about social justice, but they're looking at the world in a little bit Mm-hmm. A little bit more holistically, not just their own needs and their own comp and their own benefits and their own this. They're kind of looking at does this fit in? Do I fit into what they're doing? And uh, and do I like what they're doing? So that, that's yeah, and I, right. I think the uh, other piece of not just what they're doing, but how they're doing it. I think that oh, um, the, the class of twenty one actually has an interesting opportunity. It's a lo- it's unfortunate, but it was, a lo- it was a tough year for a lot of businesses. And a lot of businesses had, you know, employees furloughed and come back or may have not come back. And I think the how they handled, they get, they get to see sort of very quickly and thanks to social media and review sites and, um, you know, LinkedIn and finding someone you know that may work there. Not just what companies did last year, because companies had to make some really, really tough decisions last year, but how they did it and how they treated their people. I think they get, that seems very huge as far as showing what they truly value as far as um, people versus, you know, at the bottom line. Because um, we did have to, you know, a lot of companies have to make very, very hard decisions. Of course. But the how, I think, you know, that you, it doesn't take more than a really quick Google search to figure out, you know, how companies got through this tough time. Right. Um, and I think they get the opportunity and uh, to Jules' point, they're doing their research. They're 
spending more time on LinkedIn. They're um, talking with people that may work there. They're watching more videos. They're reading more of the career site. Um, I think that that's really what we're kind of seeing as a trend as well. I was going to ask you about that, about handling the pandemic and how a company has handled that. And you know what's interesting is as you talked, I thought to myself, as they're researching, if they don't like what they've read or heard, they're probably not applying. Yep, you're right. Okay. A hundred percent. That's okay. So let me ask you a question, both of you all, same type of question, but, you know, employer brand, but I really want to, I really want to kind of get your take on what entry level folks think about brands in general, you know, and, and just think, do they, do they care more about the brands that you hear about every day? Or is it, uh, you know, like what's their, what's their take on, cause we think about employer brand every day. <laughs> I'm not sure they think about employer brand every day, or at least in the way that we want them to. Um, but what's their takes on brands, and how do you how do you know that? How do you know if you're doing a great job? If you're listening to this as a corporate, you know, how do you know if you're doing a great job with entry level folks as it relates to your brand? I think one of the things, just in terms of, of how they think about brand. I think brand is important. It will always um, be important in terms of how um, it resonates with individuals. However, uh, I think in terms of greater value and premium being placed on individuals. So individual employee testimonies, people are actually doing the jobs, and that weighs slightly a little bit more than just a standard brand because that's where the trust is. The trust is, you know, can I believe this person with their experiences as opposed to having it be kind of positioned, packaged, and polished, you know, from a corporate standpoint only. So I do think more of that authenticity that can come through, you know, whether it be through a video channel, um, et cetera, is important. And um, then and, and into uh, the second part of your question in terms of um, the overall brand itself and how it's conveyed, I do think it is important that it speak um, through the process. But at the end of the day, it really is going to be about how much they can connect with it and how uh, how much it aligns to their own value system. Right. And anything anything missed, Ray? No, I think I think you're spot on. I think you know if we'd have had this conversation a year ago, right? As you know, in the really thick of of Q2 last year, we saw um, a pretty big shift in brand attractiveness and things. Right went away from, you know, hot lunch Tuesdays and bagel Fridays and all you can drink um, soda dispensers as being, you know, part of a cool culture to stability. We saw enterprise companies and the larger the company, the longer the people continue to apply to them. Um, You know, I don't think that's completely gone away yet. Uh, But I think in this labor market right now that I think, you know, anybody's got a chance to get this challenge. I love this. Okay, so advice that y'all would give y'all's a Texas colloquialism. It's you and all. Sorry about that. Um, advice that you'd give recruiters. So now the TA folks that y'all deal with as customers. Advice that you'd give them in dealing with these, you know, these entry level folks from the class of 2021. What would what would that advice be? And Ray, you're probably closest to the data, and uh, so I'll <laughs> well, tag you first because what, you're 
probably is closer it, to is it. Is it too cheesy to say read the report? It uh, is not too cheesy because <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Was what's the URL? So uh, absolutely. Um, I'll say it. I'll say it now. I'll say it again later. Isims.com/slash/insights. You can find all of our monthly reports, but the big one, class of 2021, is up there. Um, I joke in all seriousness when I say that because I read the report and a lot of things felt counterintuitive um, to me. So I guess what I would say is. Read that report in all seriousness, and when you see something that feels like, oh, didn't really see that coming, just really, really try to think back about being 22 and in all seriousness. And think about every time a number felt off to me, I tried to put myself back in my shoes of, okay, I was in you know, my apartment, senior year of college, looking at positions, thinking about where I wanted to work, and all of those things that, you know, I joke about community in Times Square, commuting to Times Square. And, um, but I was, you know, I was excited to go buy a bunch of business suits. Now, if you told me that Isom's was switching to be business formal, I might be looking for a new position. Um, you know, it's funny, but those were things that now it, you know, it is funny, but at 22, I thought that was an upside that they dressed business formal. I was excited to put on heels every day. I was excited for, you know, I remember going to big meetings and long conference room tables and being honestly thrilled to be there. And now I'm like, can't we just like make this an email? Right. (laughs) Um, And it sounds we're being silly about it, but we're really not. I mean, when you think about being 22, this was such a rite of passage. And this class, I think, feels the same way. And we have to adapt. I mean, one of the things after reading the report, we have to adapt because they're not going to adapt. This is this is who they are yeah. as talent acquisition professionals and HR. We have to adapt to how they are. Yeah. And look, there's a labor shortage right now, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no arguing right now. There, it, there are not enough applicants per position out there right now. And it, we can't afford to alienate any right. applicant pool because right. it's hard enough as it is. Yeah, and I would just, just to build on that, I would just say the best thing that organizations can do um, is to listen. Mm-hmm. Understand what the sentiment is. Ask the questions. Um, people are very often open to giving feedback, sharing their experiences, and then taking that information that you learn to build it in and humanize your content and make sure that it's delivered through the lens of a candidate. And, and like Ray was saying, Put yourself in that person's shoes across multiple generations, mind you. Um, but in this one, we're specifically thinking about the new grants. Empathize with it, what it looks like through their lens versus just through a generic company lens. And I think that will resonate more because then you're really speaking to, to the individuality of each generation. That's it. Drops mic, walks off stage. Y'all, <laughs> y'all this. Y'all, this was wonderful. Uh, and again, I can't wait for people to consume the report and also kind of see some of that stuff that's counterintuitive and get something to think. Um, so uh, just thank you all for coming on the show. Absolutely appreciate you. And, uh, and thanks for everyone that listens to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. Thanks for having us. Thank Absolutely. you. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at RecruitingDaily.com.